Hey, what's up guys? Thank you for joining me today for this video. We're going to talk about Enneagram Type 1, the perfectionist, the reformer, the moral advisor, uh, the reformer. And um, this is coming from a Instagram post from my good friend Tyler Zock over at the Gospel for Enneagram. And I'm just going to go through this Instagram post and, and talk about it. This is called the mental health of type one or some of the mental health challenges or struggles for for you guys that are type one so if you are a one or you are in a relationship with a one or have a child or a brother or sister that's a one I hope this video is helpful and encouraging to you just a reminder in the description below is a link to my website tomlahue.com I do Enneagram coaching so I meet with people all over the world uh, sometimes for one appointment sometimes uh, for three weeks or six weeks or more and and I just help them in any way I can. So sometimes relationship coaching or just how to get over some of the things in life that we get stuck in. You know, sometimes life doesn't work the way we hope it would and we need somebody to talk to. So reach out to me. I'd love to meet with you and I'd love to talk to you and talk about what type one health looks like or whatever your type is. And uh, I also have a lot of different courses and trainings. Uh, some are on demand on my website that you can take anytime. And then I also do courses live on Zoom. Thank you to my patrons. I really appreciate your support. And always on my website, if you go to my website, uh, I have a free resource download for you. Right now I have a mini course uh, that's a free download and uh, and I hope you take advantage of that and uh, and work through that material. Okay, so let's jump into this topic today. And number one on the list, no surprise, is he calls it that dang critic. And you know what I'm talking about, that inner critic. And this is what he has posted here. He says, I have a strong inner critic that constantly evaluates my actions and behavior against my own high standards. Now, okay, let's talk about this. Every, everybody has this inner critic, or you might say a conscience, uh, or their better judgment. But the reality is, is maybe not all of us necessarily let that voice win the day or win the argument. Uh, I know that's probably hard to believe, but we may have that, that inner critic in our minds, but it's just not the loudest voice. There's another voice in there that says, do what you want, or go after what you want, or who cares how people feel, or who cares what the right thing is. And I don't think any of us are proud of that. Um, and, you know, on this issue, when you say, well, something is right, then you should do what's right. I can't argue with that. I agree with you. We all should do what is right. We all ought to and should, important words for type one, we all ought to and should listen to that voice and do the right thing and be responsible and take initiative and make sure that we follow our word and live by our principles and have integrity. But you have to realize that other people don't do this all the time. I mean, don't you see that all the time? Don't, isn't that what frustrates you is that you're noticing that why aren't people listening to the right thing? Don't they have a conscience? Don't they? You know, I, I have a brother that's a, a type one. I have a lot of good friends that are type ones. There's a lot of ones in church environment and I still work part time in a church environment and I have a lot of good friends that are type ones. Um, and you know, some of them, do uh, seem more frustrated in life than others. I've got one young guy that's a good friend of mine 
who doesn't seem frustrated at all. And when we when we were talking about uh, the type one, and he was starting to understand what the Enneagram is and why it's important and what it means, he just had a very dazed and confused look on his face when when I was trying to explain to him that not everybody lives by this inner critic. He just he couldn't grasp it. Like, wait, so you don't have that inner critic voice in your head all the time correcting you and challenging you and telling you what you did wrong. I'm like, well, not really, not like you do. And it just, it blew his mind because he'd never, never even considered this before. And this is one of the things, you know, the Enneagram is really helpful for. It helps us to see that other people have different perspectives. And when people do something that they shouldn't do, um, you might say that, it, it, they're doing something that is making sense to them. Even though they may know it's the wrong thing to do, it's making sense for the moment. Like it makes sense to cut corners or it makes sense to take advantage of somebody or it makes sense to, to lie and to you know, do this you know, unkind thing in order to accomplish their agenda. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying everybody does what makes sense to them even if it's not the right thing. So what's, what's the point with this? Well. Realize that you have uh, maybe a, a, a hypersensitive inner critic within you um, and then try to push back on that a little bit and, and maybe laugh at yourself a little and go, oh, wow, I look at me, um, you know, beating myself up or recognizing what's not correct or, you know, finding every flaw. Look at me doing that thing that type ones do. I need to push back a little bit on that so I can catch my breath, so I can get my head above water so that I can breathe again. You know, I mean, a lot of, this is a good thing in that you're wired to want to make things better and to recognize what's not right or what's incorrect, but it, it could be an exhausting, an exhausting um, um, way to try to live to always give in to the demands of this inner critic. Okay, I should probably stop there because I really don't know what it's like. I'm trying to understand. But that dang critic, number one. Number two, high expectations. <clears throat> Again, now is this a good thing or is this a negative thing? Um, it can be both, right? I mean, it's great to have high expectations. And think if you're a manager or you're an employee and you're responsible for making sure that things are done right or done well, we want you to have high expectations and we need somebody at the table that will raise the expectations. But look at the flip side of this, like what does this do to you or what does this do to me? Well, I mean, you, you're gonna be disappointed a lot, you're gonna be frustrated a lot when, when real life doesn't measure up to those high expectations. Um, and you're, this anger or this frustration is probably going to leak out in your relationships and the way you interact with people. So here's the statement he has on high expectations. Anxiety, how about that? Do you have a lot of anxiety in your life? Anxiety and stress, stress, you know, like ugh, stress, okay, can overwhelm me as I pursue perfection and strive to meet expectations. Okay, that's a lot. That's really a lot in that sentence, okay? Uh, pursuing perfection. Can you ever reach perfection? When will you know that you have reached perfection? When will you know that everything is perfect? Um, that's, that's a very high standard. Um, 
to get everything done perfectly, you know, that could keep you from doing a lot of things. That could keep you from trying. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my older brother, who's a one, um, when we would want to buy stuff at the store, like we'd go into like a, a dollar store and he'd find a handful of things and I'd find a handful of things. He would usually give me his money and ask me to go do the interaction with the cashier. And I, and as a seven, you know, I had no problem with handing money and, and talking and interacting and telling the cashier all about my treasures that I found. And, but I think, the reservation with my brother was it was like he might mess this up like it's not just he was an introvert but it was like he might get this wrong in some way and that hesitation in life of just getting out there and getting something done that could let's say it that way that hesitation of of being other people being judgmental against you and failing and being criticized and maybe making people upset with you or bothering people, that could keep you from really maybe getting out there and experiencing a lot of life. So anxiety and stress can overwhelm me as I pursue perfection and strive to meet expectations. I always say it's kind of like a one as a child got yelled at and they thought, this is horrible, this is terrible, I'm never gonna let this happen again. So I'm just gonna yell at myself. Every moment, every day, I'm just gonna yell at myself and then nobody will have to yell at me because I don't want to not live up to the standard or not live up to the expectations or disappoint somebody or for them to think that I am lazy uh, and for them to judge me. So I'll just judge myself. I'll condemn and judge myself. And then of course that's gonna leak out and be very judgmental or could be very judge. I'm not calling you judgmental. Look at me making judgments. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the next. Rigid thinking, rigid thinking. That means there's a right way to do this and, and the other ways are not acceptable. They're not the correct way of doing this. this. This is the statement, okay? I find it challenging to adapt to change. Well, is that a problem? Again, now, in, in some ways, this could be a strength when we need to hold the line and we need to make sure that our quality is what it ought to be, okay. But there's going to be times when this is going to be a problem it's gonna cause problems, it's gonna create problems, and it's gonna create problems in your work and in your relationships because life changes and policies change and maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, whatever, but they're going to change and our interactions, we're gonna to have to change tactics and strategies at times. And I often struggle with rigid thinking patterns. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. A good friend of mine is a one and his wife is a six, okay? So a one and six combination. Lots of rules, lots of guidelines, lots of, you know, traditions we need to follow. Well, she said the other day that, you know, her husband, who's a one, came to her and said, where's my coffee mug? She said, what are you talking about? My coffee mug that's supposed to be in the cupboard, where is it? And, he, and she said, he said it like that, you know, which is going to push a six into anxiety that, oh my goodness, I've upset somebody, somebody's frustrated, what do I need to do, how do I fix this? She said, it's in the coffee, it's in the cupboard right there. He said, no, it's not. And she says, look, open the cupboard, it's right there on the shelf, I can see it. And he walked over, looked up on the shelf, turned around and said, it doesn't go on that shelf. And she was like, are you kidding me? Because, 
it was on the wrong shelf. He didn't see it. And she's like, how can you not see a coffee mug just because it's on a shelf above the shelf it normally is on? And, in, and his thing was, that's not the shelf it goes on. And she said, you know, anytime something changes and then it becomes like the established pattern, like the coffee cup ends up on that shelf for more than three weeks in a row, well then that's the way it is and it can never change. And if it changes, then why is it in the wrong spot and who put it there? And everybody needs to know that that is not the place that goes. Now, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's an ordered, structured, rigid world that we live in here, you know, but you can see how other people maybe are going to say, are you kidding me? Like, I can't live like this. I can't live in this kind of harsh, judgmental, rigid world that we are creating where a coffee mug, if it's not on the right shelf, that needs to be confronted. That needs to be dealt with. This needs to be handled. And just recognize that most of us, you know, would probably not maybe even notice if the coffee mug was on a different shelf. Okay. But all right. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying you're bad. Look, I'm not trying to criticize at all. Okay. Never ever behavior for a one, never criticize a one. I'm not trying to criticize in any way. If you want your coffee mug on that shelf, that's fine. When it's not there, maybe turn around and say, Hey, do you know where my coffee mug is? Just bring it down. Just simmer it down a little bit. Lean into that nine of maybe this isn't a big deal and lean into that two of I need to be nice and I need to be kind. Do you know where my coffee mug is? Um, it's in the cupboard up there. Um, well, I looked for it and I didn't see it. Oh, well, there it is right up there on that shelf. Oh, it's on the other shelf. Okay. Usually I put it on this shelf, so I didn't notice it when it was up there. Like that, that's it. That's all you need to do. And then you don't damage your relationship because you could, you could damage your relationship over coffee mugs and ketchup bottles and who left the PlayStation on? Why is the thermostat set to this temperature? How come the dishes aren't rinsed before they're put in? You could damage your relationships over all of these rigid things, doing it the right way, and people don't want to be around that. They just don't want to be around it. They, they will back up. They will just quit interacting with you. And they will walk on eggshells because they don't want to upset you. They don't want to get you mad. And is that, is, that a good, is that a good thing? I mean, think about it. If you're worried about being good, is that a good way to, to interact with people? barking at them because the coffee mug's not on the right shelf, you know? Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize. Okay, rigid thinking. Next, um, falling short of my own ideals. <sighs> when I would ask my brother, you know, um, so are you guys still doing um, whatever? Are you guys still um, using those broken trash cans? Whatever it is, whatever little thing that I might see that could be done differently. This is his response. He goes, yes, yes, yes. Because nobody wants to know, nobody wants to put them away. And so they sit out here and they, oh, calm it down, man. Suppressed anger, all right, doesn't go away on its own. It just doesn't go away on its own. It's suppressed. It's still there. It's under the surface, right? Everybody can feel it. Everybody can see it. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel 
friendly. It doesn't feel warm. It feels scary. It feels uncomfortable. It makes people feel anxious, like you're sharing that anxiety with others. Suppressed anger and resentment. Ooh, resentment. I don't like resentment. I don't want to feel resentment. I don't want the people around me to be resentful. It's not a good way to live. If you want to be good, don't be resentful. Well, how? what am I supposed to do? Okay, if there's a problem, deal with it, all right? If there's a problem that you can let go, let go of it. Look, all around you, whoa. All around you from time to time, you know, you're gonna have people that don't do the right thing, don't do things the way you want them to, don't live up to your expectations. Man, we gotta learn to let that stuff go. Like, we can't be upset by everything. Read the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. It's written by a nine, okay? And just realize that so much in life is small stuff. Nobody wants to be criticized. You wanna end a conversation? Be critical. How do you like it when people criticize you? You don't like this right now because it feels critical to you. But you go out there into the world and just criticize, criticize, criticize. Nobody wants to interact with a critic. Nobody wants to fix dinner for a critic. Nobody wants to watch a movie with a critic. Nobody wants to go on vacation with a critic. You're gonna end up lonely. And I love you, I don't want, I don't want to see that happen to you. So we're gonna to have to like let things go. We're gonna to have to pray, Lord Jesus, please help me. Help me to let this go. Help me to realize I'm a one. Help me to realize that sometimes I get so rigid, I get so frustrated. God, help me to just let this go and to just love people the way they are and realize that I don't have to teach every lesson. Eventually, people will figure things out on their own. I don't have to correct every mistake. I, I Look, at your best, you look like a seven. Come to seven, come over here. Okay? Make happiness a priority. What would you do today just to be happy? Do you have any answer to that at all? If you just wanted to be happier, what would you do today? Uh, that doesn't sound like a right way to live. That sounds like uh, lazy. That sounds like I'm, I'm shirking off my responsibility. Okay, but at your best, you look like a seven. So make happiness a priority again. Make peace, nine, a priority again. Make kindness, two, a priority again. Four, make, uh, what, is, what do you really care about? If you weren't doing everything that needs to be done today, what would you do that feels meaningful to you? Line to four, right? So what's meaningful? What would make you happy? What would bring peace? And what would be kind? Include those other numbers into your way of thinking to balance out that harsh oneness. Suppressed anger and resentment can build up, you wanna make the relationship uncomfortable, carry around suppressed anger and resentment. You know what that is? That's bitterness. That's what that is, that's bitterness. It can build up within me when I feel, when I feel I or others fall short of my ideals. Okay, what can I guarantee you? You will fall short of your ideals and other people will fall short of your ideals. They will. So you don't need to be disappointed anymore because now you know. Everybody's gonna let you down. You're gonna let yourself down. So what do you need? You need grace, you need mercy, you need kindness, you need patience, you need endurance. Hold, hold the standard, be a one. Don't make any apologies for being a one. Don't beat yourself up anymore, you don't need to do that. Say, you know what, I'm a one. I'm, a, I'm proud to be a one. I live by integrity, I, I live by uh, my word, my word is my bond. I, I'm responsible, I'm disciplined, I'm structured, and 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 I bring all of that to the table and remind people of that important good stuff. 
But in order to relate to all these other people, in order to get along and not to my blood pressure to go out of control, I've got to learn to laugh at myself. I've got to learn to laugh at myself and say, wow, sometimes I get frustrated when things fall short of my ideals. Sometimes I get frustrated when I have my rigid thinking going. Sometimes my expectations are too unrealistic. Sometimes that dang critic just overwhelms me and I need to laugh at that and relax a little bit. Okay, what's next here? Um, making mistakes. Making mistakes. Now, again, that's great. If you're working for a company or a corporation or whatever and people make mistakes and you catch it and repair it, perfect, that's great. What a great use of that, of that uh, impulse. But here's the statement, I sometimes feel paralyzed, I can't move forward. I feel paralyzed by the fear of making mistakes or not living up to my own high standards. Okay, let's accept it. You're not gonna live up to your own high standards, so you don't need to be paralyzed anymore. Just realize that I'm not gonna get it always perfect, I'm not gonna get it right, but I need to get it done. I need to get it out there. I need to step up to the plate. I need to have that in interaction with the cashier because I wanna purchase these items and go home. And so, who's grading me? You know, who is it? Is it that inner critic in my head? Am I afraid like, you know, the troops are gonna come out from behind the counter and arrest me because I didn't do this interaction right? Man, I'm being so hard on myself. Like life doesn't need to be this scary. It doesn't need to be this intimidating. It could be a little easier, a little more comfortable. Think nine wing, think seven. Don't worry, be happy, nine and seven. Okay, neglecting self-care. Not taking care of myself because I'm so responsible taking care of others. Neglecting self-care becomes a common occurrence as I prioritize my responsibilities and the pursuit of perfection. In other words, we got work to do. I can't be lazy, I need to get up, I need to be responsible, I need to get this done. And everybody appreciates that. Everybody applauds that hard work ethic, that dependableness, that reliability. But it's not bad for you to say, you know what, I'm just taking the afternoon off. I'm gonna go watch a movie, I'm gonna go relax, I'm gonna go play tennis, I'm gonna play video games. I'm not being bad by spending four hours playing video games or spending four hours riding a four-wheeler or going to the beach. I'm not being lazy, I'm not shirking my duties. Just to take care of myself or spending money to buy something that I want, that I've saved up for. Like I need to take care of myself too. If I'm going to be able to take care of others and take care of everything that needs to be done, then I need to make sure I'm well rested, I'm well fed, I'm nourished, I'm relaxed, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm calm. And everybody around you will appreciate it. Look, everybody around you will appreciate it as you become happier. As you become happier and more joyful. Just ask yourself, how much joy do you have in life? Joy should be a priority. Joy is a decision that you make. Like I need to be more joyful. I need to be more calm. I need to be more accepting, more kind, more loving. Okay, next, fixating on problems. I get it, you're a problem solver. That's awesome. There's a lot of problems out there and we need people to have solutions to solve those problems. Well, so what would be the downside of this? Well, let's read the statement. Fixating on problem solving can make it challenging for me to shift my focus and let things go, especially when it comes to the messiness of people and relationships. You know, I always say it like this. Uh, when you are a problem solver, then you're probably going to see problems everywhere, even when they don't exist. 
And I wonder how many times when you got involved in over your head and end up making enemies and end up, you know, getting yourself in trouble, was this even a problem that you needed to do anything about? Was this your problem? Or did you get so wrapped up in somebody else's problem and made it your problem and felt responsible to solve it that you got in over your head and then couldn't get out of it without making it worse? Some problems do need to be solved and then some problems are not really problems. Sometimes the solution to the problem is this isn't a problem or it isn't your problem to solve. Sometimes that's the solution is back up and get a breath. And when you're feeling overwhelmed and when you're feeling like you're in panic mode and you're feeling like you got to do something, realize that your emotions are now involved and maybe they're trying to tell you something. You're interpreting it as, I got to focus on this. I got to fix this. But the reality is your emotions might be telling you, you need to back up, son. You need to get a break. You need to take a breath. You need, you're getting way too overwhelmed in this and you need to step back and go for a walk. Go for a walk and get yourself in a better mental state. Get your let your let your mood recover a little bit. And again, I, I'm glad you are a problem solver. We need problem solvers, but you might end up creating, especially relationship problems, while you're solving problems. You say, what do you mean, Tom? What do you mean? Okay, what about when somebody in your family comes over and you're trying to fix something and they say, Dad, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm trying to get this done. Okay, while you're solving a problem, you're being a problem. People in your life might be trying to relate to you, trying to love you, trying to help you, trying to engage with you, trying to interact with you, and they don't want to interact with, just get out, just leave me alone. I'm trying to get this right. Trying to get it right? Is that right? Does that look right to you? Look, I love you, okay? I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm, I'm overemphasizing some things I've seen um, that maybe you don't see about yourself. All right, sense of responsibility. Again, a great thing. I wish more of us had. I wish I had a stronger sense of responsibility. I wish my kids had a stronger sense. I wish our country, our government, kids today need a stronger sense of responsibility. I get it. That's a good thing. Let's read the statement. Feeling a strong sense of responsibility for everyone and everything can lead to anxiety and fatigue. You know, this weight of the world that everything is resting on me and if this gets blown up or if this gets screwed up, then it's all gonna go to pieces and I've gotta hold it together. I've gotta maintain it. I've gotta get, wow, that's a lot of stress to live under. <sighs> Heavy weight to live under. Strong sense of responsibility. It makes you a great manager. It makes you the person that we end up giving the key to because we know you're gonna show up, we know you're gonna put things right, we know you're gonna make sure, but it also does take a toll on your own physical and mental well-being. So what do you do? Well, learn to laugh at yourself a little bit. Learn to relax and say, oh my goodness, I'm such a one. You know, uh, I, right now, let me just listen to myself. I'm tired, I'm just tired, and yes, all of those mop buckets and stuff, they need to be rinsed out. They need to be sorted out right. The people left early. They didn't get them done right. But you know what? If I listen to myself right now, I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm going to go home. And you know what? Those mop buckets, they can just wait. They can just sit there and they can wait. They'll be here on Monday. 
and I'll either take care of them on Monday or I'll assign somebody to do that. I don't need to stay an hour later to make sure all this gets done while resentment and frustration builds up within me. Why didn't they get these mop buckets done the right way and here I am stuck having to do this. I just need to laugh at myself and say, oh my goodness, I'm such a one. I'm about to like stay past 11 o'clock to make sure mop buckets get rinsed out when I'm just gonna leave that. Can you do that? Can you even can you even can you even start to do that kind of thing? Look at the sense of responsibility. That's the point we're talking about. The sense of responsibility. Can you was it irresponsible? Because it feels irresponsible to do that. But if you were being responsible to yourself, you might have to look a little irresponsible to to the world. Okay, and the last one is not feeling good enough. Like I don't measure up. Just a general sense that I am a B person or a C plus person. I don't measure up to the standard. Struggling with perfectionism can contribute to feelings of not being good enough, potentially leading to depression. And remember, you have a line to four, right? Under stress, you look a little bit like a four. Moody, you know, misunderstood, depressed. Um, not feeling included, not feeling like a part of the group, being emotional, being dramatic, um, under stress. This general sense of not living up to perfection. Okay, I've got a whole course on my on-demand on perfectionism, on overcoming it, or whatever I called it, uh, letting go of it, you know. Because I, all of us, I guess, could be a little bit like that, perfectionistic, but... Ah... Let's see, what can I say to you? You are good enough? Does that mean anything if I said, look, you're good enough. We love you just the way you are. We love you with all the cracks. We love you with the brokenness. We love you with the chips and the tears and the, hey, look at this little guy over here, this little statue, okay? Notice right, right there. It's all cracked up. Can you see that? I don't know if you can see that or not. See the little cracks in there? And you know what? It still sits right there because in many ways, all relationships are a little bit cracked. All of us are a little bit cracked. None of us are perfect. We're all a little bit broken. And yet God still loves us and we're still supposed to love each other even though we have these imperfections. And maybe the imperfections is perfect just the way it is. Maybe we're supposed to make some allowances for our imperfections and for the imperfections of others. Maybe that's the perfect way to live is to be a little more grace, gracious with each other, a little more forgiving with each other, a little more accepting of one another, and a little bit more of that for ourselves. Or in your case, a lot more of that for yourself. Again, what's the solution? I think it comes back to laughing at ourselves and saying, oh my goodness, I'm such a one. Here I am, I got a 98 on my test. I'm beating myself up because I didn't get it perfect. I'm beating myself up because I failed my driver's test. Oh my goodness, I'm beating myself up. And just realize how much, how much of the time you're beating yourself up. It's like, it's not somebody else doing it, it's you. You're doing it to yourself. Well, you can stop this. I mean, you can push back a little bit, push back. Look, if I'm a seven, okay, and I feel the need to be distracted and I'm interrupting class and I'm telling funny jokes and making fart noises in class, you would look at me in school and say, oh my goodness, you need to stop doing that. Your impulses are disrupting. Okay, well you have impulses too. We all come wired with impulses and compulsions. Do you ever push back on your own impulses? All of these are impulses. What are the impulses again? Let's go back and read them again, okay? Um, mental health of type one. 
Critic, inner critic, high expectations, rigid thinking, falling short of my ideals, making mistakes, neglecting self-care, fixating on problems, a strong sense of responsibility, not feeling good enough. Okay, these are your impulses. So am I supposed to push back on mine because they're not always appropriate and not healthy? What about your impulses? Can you push back on yours? A lot of times I get applauded for my impulses. Look at Sevens, look at Robin Williams, look at Jimmy Fallon, look at Jack Black, look at Jim Carrey. Everybody applauds them for their impulsiveness. But it's not always appropriate, right? There's times when they need to bring it down and they need to pay attention to their environment and they need to be mature by not acting on their impulse to disrupt, distract. You know, they need to, all of us. Well, so do you as a one. You got to push back on your impulses too and say, you know what? I don't need to say that out loud. I can think it, but I don't need to say it out loud. I need to let it go. I, I need to not make this a big deal. I need to give myself a break. I need to just stop this line of talking to myself, of berating myself and chastising myself. I need to just recognize that I'm wired to do that and I need to just not give any attention to it. I need to let it go. You say, that's not easy. I know it's not easy. None of this is easy for any of us. It's not easy at all. It's, it's challenging work. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help you. This is what I do coaching appointments about, is helping people learn to push back on those impulses. Recognize them and then learn to push back on them when they're not moving you toward what you really want in life. What do you really want in life? You want great relationships? And notice these things could hinder having great relationships. You want peace and love and harmony. You want a family that treats you well and that you treat well. You want to have friends. You want to have a work that you love and it feels meaningful to you. And that's great. Those are all great things to have. Sometimes these impulses will work for you and sometimes they work against you. And catching the difference is what maturity really is. I love you guys. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Be present to life.